All right, all right. Let's settle in. Meet and greet is one of my favorite times of the whole service. Worship is great. The message will be okay. But that connection time, like we need it. We're built for it. And in the city and day and age we live in, we don't get a lot of that. So it's one of my favorite things, one of my favorite things to do. It might feel, it might feel small and not a lot, but it is, it is significant. Well, I'm, I'm excited to be with you tonight because we are finishing up our three-part series on disciple-making. You don't have to raise your hands, but who has been here for all three weeks of our disciple-making? Don't, don't raise your hands. Okay, you can, yeah, okay. You're going straight to heaven, <laughs> so it's fine. But no shame if you hadn't been here for all three weeks. I would encourage you to go back and listen to uh, the podcast. Is that what it's called, a podcast? Sure. Yeah. It's on the website. I didn't know if it was on the website. It was an actual podcast. It's a website cast. It's both. It's yes. The answer is yes. So go back and listen to those. Uh, If you are joining us uh, for the first time, our foundational verse for this entire series is Matthew 4.19. And uh, it's come, Jesus saying, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, the literal translation of men is, is people. It includes men and women. So I'm going to be saying people for the rest of the night because this is an inclusive place, gender inclusive. And so I'll be, we are going to talk about how we can become fishers of people. Is that okay with you? Yeah. Wonderful. It is 2019. And so... We're going to spend a little time, we're going to get into our bodies a little bit, and we're going to actually memorize this verse because it is foundational, uh, and we're going to use hand motions, okay? Studies have shown that as you you put movement to something, you're more likely to remember it, so I thought it would be good to learn some scripture in church. How's that sound? I know, crazy, right? Crazy. So here's it, everybody point to your head. A disciple knows and follows Jesus. So that is the first part of our verse. Come follow me, right? Come follow me. We make a decision to follow Jesus. And I will make you, make you, Jesus is saying, I will make you, remake you from the inside out. I'll show you how to do this. I'll change you. It's a heart level change. I'll change you. And then everybody put your hands out and I will make you fishers of people. Okay? Come follow me and I will make you fishers of people. Come follow me. I will make you fishers of people. Now you do it by yourself. You did it. Well done. So a disciple is someone who knows and follows Jesus. That's what we talked about our first week in this series. We make a conscious decision to follow Jesus as Lord, and then we do what he tells us to do. If he is Lord of our life, if his ways are the best ways, then we do what he tells us to do. We know and follow Christ. It is a head-level change. And then heart-level change. I will make you. He is making us from the inside out. Philippians 2.12 says, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. This is Paul talking to the church in Philippian, or Philippi. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Some, some translation says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So we know that this word salvation is wholeness. We are working out our wholeness even now. And fear and trembling means we are not scared of God. 
We're doing all of these things. We're trying to change ourselves, working at all these things so that we can approach God and get his approval. That's not what this is saying. This is saying in light of the fact of what he's done for us, we work out our salvation with him. But he's the only one that can change us right? He's the only one that can do the change inside of us. We can work and do as many things as we think is humanly possible, but we cannot change ourselves. Only God can change us from the inside out. That's that heart level change. And then I will make you fishers of people. We are, a disciple is on mission with Christ. And we're going to talk about this in a minute, but what is the mission of Christ? What was he sent here to do? To make disciples, and that's what we are here to do. Regardless of who you are or where you are, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a Christ follower, a Christ disciple, then you are to make disciples. So we're going to get into that in just a little bit. John 12, 26, anyone who wants to serve me must follow me. This is Jesus again, because my servants must be where I am and the Father will honor anyone who serves me, anyone who wants to serve me must follow me, must do what I ask you to do. And so my question today is, are we serving Jesus because he is really Lord of our life and, and asks us to follow him, or are we following him because we expect him to serve us, right? We sang it earlier. It's like, I'm not here for any blessing. But so often I think people are following Jesus for the benefits of following Jesus, when he, what he's asking us to do is say, anyone who wants to serve me must follow me. It is not about us. It's about him. Come, follow me, and I will make you. I'll change you into fishers of people. But somehow, I think along the line, somewhere along the way, we lost the urgency of this mission, right? Paul said, Paul said last week, our, not Paul the apostle, Paul, our Paul, Pastor Paul, said, uh, let's make Jesus' last command, which is the Great Commission, our first priority. Jesus' last command was what? Go. Go make disciples. But, but we've lost that because I, I feel like we've let ourselves, uh, we've we conditioned ourselves or let ourselves believe that we need just a little bit of something else before we can go. Right? Oh, I, I haven't been to enough classes on discipleship, uh, disciple making, so I, I need to just be in another class. I haven't been to enough Sundays. I need to just be in enough Sundays. I don't know enough. I'm not enough to do this thing that Jesus is asking me to do. But my question is, do you have Jesus? Do you have Jesus? If you have Jesus, then you have enough. Because all he's asking us to do is do what he, he said, do. Is it, and surely I will go with you. Matthew 28, let's read it right now. The Great Commission, therefore, you, you go and make disciples. Whoever you are, wherever you are, you go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Wherever you are, as you're going, from point A to point B in your life, whatever your sphere of influence is, wherever you are, Go and make disciples. Jesus is always about come and go, right? It's always about an invitation. Jesus is saying, come, come be with me. Come follow me. Come be around me. How many of you know you are like the people you are around? For better or for worse, you become like the people you surround yourself with. And so Jesus is saying, come, come be with me. Come be like me. And then go. 
Matthew 4.19 is, is about come. And Matthew 28 is about go. Come, be with me. Learn the way I do things and then go out. Invitation, relationship, so that you can go out. The responsibility is once you know and once you have, have the invitation and once you've accepted the invitation, the challenge now is to go out and give that invitation to other people. The, the, the people that Matthew 28 is talking about are not people that are already here. When it says go make disciples, it means literally. Jesus is telling us go out. Go out there. Go there and reach the people in your spheres of influence so that they can know the good news of Jesus Christ. People that don't know right now, people don't, don't know about the resurrection, that don't know about baptism, that's who he's telling us to go to. Not come in here, not come in and sit. Go. Romans 10, 14, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Do you know who that someone is? You, me. That's who that someone is. I found a great video from one of my all-time favorite heroes, Francis Chan. Let's check that out right now. How not to disciple someone. When I was a kid, we used to play this game called Simon Says. Right? Most of us have played that, unless you're really young, because there's no app for it. it, it Simon Says is, uh, you know, you just, Simon Says, pat your head, you know, so, okay, you know, Simon said it. Um, it's just, it was a very simple game, but it's so weird how in the church, Jesus Says is a totally different game. If Jesus says something, you don't have to do it, you just have to memorize it. You, 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 you study it, you memorize it. You guys, it, it doesn't make any sense, a lot of the things we do. When he tells us to go out and make disciples, and how many people in the, our churches are actually making disciples? They memorized it. You know, when I tell my daughter, hey, hey Rach, go clean your room. She doesn't come back to me two hours later and go, I memorized what you said. <laughs> you said, Rach, go clean your room. I can say it in Greek. <laughs> my friends are going to come over and we're going to have a study on what it would look like if I cleaned my room. <laughs> she knows better than that. And so why do we think we're going to come before the judge one day and quote everything that he said and talk about how much we know? It's just, it's just this black and white stuff. If I just started with scripture, I'd go, here's what I would do. I would start making disciples. Well, that's the message. But it's really that simple. It's really that simple. If we call ourselves followers of Jesus, all we have to do is what he said to do. That's what it all comes down to. Uh, discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. Now, Paul used this last week, but let it be known that I said it two weeks ago, and so he totally stole my line. Just like Matt Damon in Goodwill Hunting. So Robin Williams' line. It, but neither one of us said it. Dallas Willard actually said it. 
So he gets all the credit. Discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were me. All of who I am becoming more like Jesus. Said another way, discipleship, or if you want to think about spiritual formation, that's another word for discipleship. Spiritual formation is the process of being formed into the image of Christ for the sake of others. So if we hear nothing else tonight, hear this. It's not about you. I mean, it is about you because you are the one being formed, but at the end of the day, it's not about you. So just let that, let that go. Let the pressure off. It's not about you. Are you being formed and are you going through the process of being formed into the image of Christ for the sake of others, period? The process of being formed. Romans 12, 1 1 and 2 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Do you know who the best disciple maker is right now? In the country. The most effective disciple maker right now. Our culture. Our culture is the best disciple maker right now. Why? Because we are being formed into the image of our culture. Because culture is all around us. It's the environment in which we live. And it seeps into the way we view God, the way we view ourselves, the way we view others in regards to ourselves. Culture is all around us. And it is the best disciple maker we, we have right now. So and it's, it's not even, a, it's not negative or positive, although there are many aspects that are negative and there are many aspects that are positive. But it's something we need to be aware of. How are we allowing ourselves to be discipled by culture? For one, we've gone from contribution to consumerism, right? Specifically in church. We come in as like, what can I get? What can I get? Instead of what can I give? What can I contribute? We've gone from connection to pseudo-community, how many times do we pick our phones up a day? How, how connected do we really think we are through text and social media? We've gone from community, actual community, to individualism. I don't know if you know this, but you will never reach the full potential of your faith by yourself. Oh, it's just me and Jesus. It's just me and Jesus. I don't trust anybody else. It's just me and God. But that's not how it's set up. This is a communal experience, and we need each other to reach the potential of our faith. And that's the problem, because we've probably been hurt by people in the church. Church would be a lot easier if there weren't people in it. It'd be a whole lot easier, right? We don't have to deal with, deal with each other. But that's not how it's set up. We need each other to reach our full potential. And we've, we've replaced rest for exhaustion. We, we take our busyness and our tiredness and, and, and we wear it like a badge of honor. And we're doing all of these things, but we're not resting. We're, because rest equals trust. I trust that God has completed the work. And out of that rest, out of that trust, I do my work. I do, but we're, we're, we're not there. I mean, I mean, just coming in at 5 p.m. on a Sunday night. We're exhausted, right? We're exhausted. And we have to start over and do it all over again tomorrow. Well, not tomorrow because it's a holiday. Praise the Lord. 
Lord, thank you for this instituted Sabbath. <laughs> wow. Okay, but come tomorrow, how many of, of us are, are going to really be intentional about that time and find rest in that time? That's what it's about. Disciple making is not a program, right? It's because people are not projects. This is not something that we just sign up for and then do for a couple of months and then check off the Great Commission on our checkbox. That's not what this is about. Disciple making is actually the mission of our lives. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, if you call yourself his disciple, this is your mission in life. This is what defines you, making disciples, period. But Cody, I, no, 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 no ifs, ands, or buts. Look in the scripture. This is what you are asked to do. Jesus is the base pattern of all of life. And so when I read about Jesus's life, then I begin to understand the pattern of his life, and then I contextualize it for my life. That's what we do. And what was Jesus all about? Making disciples. That's what he did. That was the base pattern of his life. Someone, and he's, all he's looking for is someone who is willing to be in relationship and to follow his direction. That's all he's looking for. He's like, I'm just looking for people that are actually going to do what I ask them to do. That's what he's looking for. Do you guys remember the WWJD bracelets? I was going to bring them back. But they're just so cliche. You know, they're just so 90s. But I was thinking, what if we did like WIJD bracelets? Not that that's very different, but what is Jesus doing? That's a lot more present, right? It's not so ethereal and like, what would Jesus do? Let me think about Jesus. But it's like, what is Jesus doing and how can I be a part of that? And discipleship is right now for all of us. Discipleship, make, disciple making is right now. It's not activities that we have to do. It's not classes that we have to take. It's not a 12-part sermon series. It's a three-part sermon series. <laughs> but what it really boils down to, it's disciple-making. Discipleship is not additional. This is not something you have to add to your life, right? It's intentional. What are the rhythms of your life right now, and how are you being intentional about putting disciple-making into those rhythms, Right? It's, it's not about, oh, I'm so busy. I'm just so, t I'm tired. Like, if you don't have kids, you are not tired. Okay? You are grown. You can decide when you go to bed and when you wake up. Some of us do not have that luxury. I love y'all, though. And so it's about the rhythms. I, I got these, these, these great rhythms from a guy named Cesar Kalinowski. And the first rhythm of life is, is story. Because it's nearly impossible to love your neighbor if you don't know your neighbor. Do you know the story of the person who is sitting next to you at work? You spend all this time with this person right next to you. Do you know their story? Be intentional about learning their story. The second rhythm is listening. I think we would be in a much better place as a country if we would just be quiet and listen. Just, just stop talking. And, and, and listening, not, you know how some people like listen to you, but they're only listening so that they can talk again, and so they start nodding faster and faster because they want you to be done? Right? They just want to talk again. It's like, no, really listen. Really hear someone's story. Really hear from where someone is coming from. And are we listening to God? That's kind of important, right? 
If God is Lord and we are looking for his direction and we're asking for his direction and we're asking for his guidance, are we intentional about, cre- intentional? Intentional about creating space in our life to actually sit and listen? I mean, how uncomfortable was that? That was like three seconds of silence. Are you creating space in the rhythm of your life to hear from God, not ask him anything, not complain? Although he, that's, I mean, that's part of it. That's, he's there for that. But when was the last time you just sat and listened and waited to hear from God? Listening. Another rhythm in life that, honestly, we're not good at either, celebration. So no shame over any of these. Like, none of us are good at this, okay? So it's about intention and growing in these. But celebration. As followers of Jesus, we should be the most celebratory people of anybody, right? Shouldn't we be? I mean, for what he did for us? Like, we were dead, and now we're alive, Right? Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> cool. But we, we've gotten to this place, right? And honestly, it doesn't take that much to make people feel special these days. You know who has, has discipled me the best in celebration? Bob Goff. Like this dude like started parades in his neighborhood. And it's not big, but it is celebratory. And it makes people feel special. When was the last time you hand wrote a note? like pen and paper, and you wrote out encouragement to somebody, and you put it in the mail, and you went to their correct mailing address because you were listening, right? When's the last time? It's not birthdays. Birthdays are a big deal. Like celebrating the day somebody was born, that's a big deal. And so being intentional about all these rhythms, looking for ways to celebrate other people. We can grow in that. It's a rhythm of disciple-making. What about blessing others? Blessing others with words, actions, or gifts. It's not hard, but why don't we do it? It doesn't take a long time. Why don't we do it? Eating. Eating's a good one. We eat at least 21 times a week, or more if you're me. But that's 21 opportunities to sit down with someone, look them in the eye, connect with someone, be intentional in that time. Ask somebody at work that you don't know their story. I mean, you're spending all this time with all these people that we don't know. But we can. We can know. Be intentional with, with your meals. And then the last one is recreating. That goes back to resting in God's completed work. And out of that rest, we create beauty, we create art, we create work. But it's resting first, trusting first, trusting that God's got it all under control. He's got it all under control. And out of that rest, out of that trust, we work and we create, we recreate. It's about Sabbath. It's about really, really letting my heart rest. So I'm going to make this real low-key simple. Okay, I'm going to use all six of these in one example. Here's how you do this. This is how you're being intentional. Ask someone to a meal, right? Eat. And then ask them about their story. 
and then listen while they're telling you their story. And then celebrate the work of God in their life as they're telling you their story. Highlighting, highlighting. You're like, oh, I see God in these things. Don't be weird, especially if they don't know Jesus yet. But don't be weird. Just celebrate. And then bless them by buying the meal. Now, don't invite them to a place where you're going to go broke in one meal. Like, go to Shake Shack. I don't care. Buy their meal. That's a blessing. And then do it at a time where, where it's early enough in the day where you can go home and get some rest so you can recreate the next day. Okay? That's really, it's real okay. Guys, it's not rocket science. It's rhythms. It's being intentional. It's going from, oh, this is just another thing I have to do to like, how can I do this with, with a way my life already is if I put some intentionality behind the rhythms of my life? That's disciple making. Okay, we can all do it. Yes? Okay, let's practice our, our uh, memory verse one more time. Oh, whoops. Excellent. Gold stars. So in the time we have together, I, I want you to um, get out whatever you take notes on. There's four questions I want you to start asking yourself on a daily basis. And these four questions can even kind of guide that intentionality behind the rhythms of your life. The first question is, how is God getting my attention? And he does that in a lot of different ways because we're all different. And his creativity is infinite. So how's God getting my attention? It could be anything. What is God saying? Write these down because y'all ain't going to remember when you walk out the door. I'm trying to tell you. Statistics show, and this is why taking notes is important. I'm not saying that this is so important that you have to take notes, but I'm just letting you know what the statistics are. That as soon as you walk out a door, this is very discouraging for someone that communicates, by the way. Statistics show that as soon as you walk out the door tonight, after this, that's why we did the hand motions, as soon as you walk out the door, you will forget half of what you heard in this time we've had together. By the time you go to sleep and wake up in the morning, you will have forgotten 80%. 80%. Which is why we have to go, which is why I'm asking you to just take just these four questions. All right? Just remember these four questions and your memory verse. And we'll be good. And the rhythms. <laughs> what is God saying? And then the next question what are you going to do about it? Reflection is really important, but so is action. What is God saying, and what are you going to do about it? And then we bring in the good old accountability piece. Who are, you, who are you going to share this with? How is God getting my attention? God, what are you saying to me? God, show me what I should do about this. Who should I share this with? If we regularly, if we get in the habit of regularly processing the promptings of the Holy Spirit, of God in our lives, and we, we're, we help each other kind of discern. That's the, the word discern means like, help figure out. Like, is this God or is this bad pizza? I need to know. And so we, we measure that against Scripture, right? We take this back. Hey, this is what I feel like God is saying to me. 
Am I crazy? Let's go, let's go, what does Scripture have to say about it? Often we, we skip that part. We're like, oh, yeah, that sounds good. Like, no, what does Scripture have to say? Is this in line with God's, God's Scripture? Is this in line with the character of God? What is he saying? And then we hold each other accountable to actually act on the Word. Are you doing what he's asking you to do? Are you waiting for another word when he's already given you the word of what you're supposed to be doing, right? He's waiting for that. Like, no, you just take a step in this, and then I'll show you. But if we, can, if we get in the habit of doing that, I really think that, that, that this is how we build momentum as a community. If we help each other and hold each other accountable to the promptings of God, because he's talking to all of us, Okay? He's talking to all of us. And we got to help each other out. Because there's a lot of voices screaming at us and coming at us from all over the place. Going back to the culture thing. It's like, is this God? Can you help me? And we need each other to do that. I remember when, uh, a few weeks ago, I talked about um, one of the most impactful discipleship relationships I had was a guy that was a year older than me in my fraternity, which means God can find you anywhere. And he did. And so this guy, I was like, hey, and I, I had been around church for a really, really long time. So I, I knew what it was supposed to look like to be a Christian. But this guy was different. I was like, hey, you're actually real. Like, this is the real deal. Who, how did you get like that? And so he started inviting me over to his apartment. So he's a year older. So I was still in the dorm. He was in an apartment. And he would invite me over and he would cook for me, which like that bless, bless me. And, but he also taught me how to cook. And then so we would, we would prepare this meal together. We'd sit down. We'd eat together. And then we'd get into the scripture together. And that was, that was so impactful for me. And like I, had been, I had known Jesus for a really long time, but no, I had never done that. Like nobody had ever done that for me. And so it's that easy, guys. It's, that, it's not easy. It's simple. It's that simple because it's never easy. Intention is never easy. And there will always be a hundred distractions working their way into that intention. But can, can, we, can we make a commitment to each other to be more intentional about the rhythms of our life with, with, with the filter of disciple making? Can we do that? Can we do that? Great. It's really, really, really good. How is God getting my attention? What is he saying? What am I going to do about it? And who am I going to share it with? That's it. So let those questions guide as you get into, as you start asking people to go eat with you. This is really funny. I have to tell you this. This happened this morning. So a guy came up to me and said, Cody, I did what you asked me to do. I was sitting next to this cute girl, and I asked her if she wanted to go to lunch. It's like, I must have not heard the message right. And I was like, well, we'll get there. I appreciated the immediate activation, right? Right? You got to start somewhere. <laughs> like, that's not really what we're going for. But there are people you already know that need to know Jesus. People you already know. And it's about taking that one step. Jesus, I hear what you're saying. I'm going to do what you say. Take that step by step by step. Come. Jesus is saying, come, be with me, and then go. Let's pray. 
Father, I thank you for your clarity. I thank you for how clear you are in your word, in the Bible. So, Lord, I, I, right now I just repent of all the times I've made it cloudy or I've justified or rationalized my insecurity or my unease with just doing what you said to do. You've made it really clear. And so, Father, I ask that you would show us. Show us how to be about your business. Show us how to do that. Show us how to take one step in doing what you've asked us to do. And that your last commandment would be our first priority. And that we would go and make disciples everywhere we are.